Haven't heard of Time for Learning yet? Well, here's everything you need to know. Time for Learning is a comprehensive online curriculum for pre-K through 12th grade that is perfect for homeschooling. So much so that it is one of Kathy Duffy's 102 top picks. Time for Learning is student-paced and features adjustable grade levels, automated grading, and over 4,000 lessons and activities that are fun and engaging across all subjects. Time for Learning makes life easier for parents by providing customized reports, detailed lesson plans, and an activity planner that lets you choose the lessons you want your child to be learning. You can start, stop, or pause your membership at any time, and there's even a 14-day money-back guarantee. There's really nothing to lose. Give it a try today by visiting timeforlearning.com slash ultimate homeschool and see for yourself why Time for Learning is the best homeschooling decision you'll ever make. Again, visit timeforlearning.com slash ultimate homeschool today. This is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Welcome to the Vintage Homeschool Mom Show. Your host, Felice Gerwitz, is an author, a publisher, and your radio show host. She will encourage, educate, and inspire you with answers to your most pressing questions from homeschool, marriage, parenting, and much more. Felice loves to equip moms to live a Christian life because every moment counts. Be sure to visit her website at MediaAngels.com. And here's your host, Felice Gerwitz. Hey, everyone, and welcome. This is Felice Gerwitz with an episode of Vintage Homeschool Moms, and today we are going to talk about handwriting success. This is episode 339, and you can find the show notes at VintageHomeschoolMoms.com. We previously talked about some handwriting 101 for the little ones, and this is our second session, and we're going to focus more on um, the things that we alluded to but didn't talk about. And on the line is my wonderful sister-in-law, Jody, and Jody Orr, who um, came on last time with me and um, explained some of the foundational things that kids need to have so that they can have success in writing. Um, and so, Jody, today you're going to talk about, I'm just going to like kind of give us an overview, if that's okay. Mm-hmm. Hi, Felice. Okay. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> I know. We just skipped all that. <laughs> so I'm like focused here because this is not my, you know, anything I've done recently. But so grip is important, hand dominance. Uh, you're going to talk about like fat crayons and pencils, coloring, tracing, uh, letter printing, and writing. So um, we're going to start with the grip because that's important. But before we do, you and I were talking before we got started recording. And I mentioned in, in the last episode, you talked about being on a kid-sized table. So I have these tables because now we've got grandkids that come over. And my niece, your daughter, who's got four mm-hmm. little ones and, and, and is over. So when all the kids come over, I have these folding tables. And they're really great because they fold in half and the you know legs pop underneath them and the other wonderful thing is they are expandomatic in their height so when they were really little I had them on the very first setting and like for some of our kids you know we've got to put them up higher you know Jacob and Emma and Sam yeah boy our um, kids are growing I know and um I you know I've, I've looked for them on sale you can find them at you know any discount store has them I think that's important to have that. You know, we were talking about what our kids used and it was like the little um, plastic 
picnic tables that you get from outside, that is mm-hmm. good. But you were, you know, talking about that too, and and um, and the importance of that. So I just wanted to throw that in, um, as well as you were saying that, you know, even if you don't have like the kid size table or chairs, that the child could stand. Because I was mm-hmm. sharing that one of my grandkids likes to do that at the table and write. Right. Right. Yeah. I think, look, kids are going to succeed and they will make do with whatever uh, environment they're in. And that's the beauty of being a child is they're just happy to do. But um, eventually, and I guess if you're, if you're looking for um, them to be able to produce to the best of their ability, then it's important to provide them with, um, the environment and the tools to to be as successful as possible. So that would be ideally a kid-sized table, a kid-sized chair. But um, allowing them to stand at a table, depending on the height of the tables, um, that at least allows them to use their uh, toes and their feet and their, you know, like they're just their whole body posture. So um, it's not that they won't be able to color or won't be able to write. But again, they're, um, if they're sitting at a dining room table on their knees, for instance, they're leaning pretty heavily on their forearm or they're leaning pretty heavily on their non-dominant hand, you know, for support. So mm-hmm. it's going to affect, it is going to affect the outcome. And again, if, uh, if, if, if there's no expectation for output, right, then I guess it's right. fine. But, you know, if you have that child who cares, and all of us have those children who care how their work looks, their success is really going to be impacted by um, the environment and, the, you know, what you're allowing them or encouraging them to work on. Like if they work on the floor, or they, you know, just things like that. It does, it does impact it. It doesn't mean they won't overcome it. They sure will. But um, just to be successful, sometimes it's... Um, I was surprised, I guess, and that's why I mentioned it. At, um, what yeah. a difference it made right. to be at a child's size. Yep, workstation. Yeah, I think that's wonderful. So we're going to talk about grip. Let's let's do that. Okay. Yeah, let's talk about grip. Um, <laughs> so grip. Um, <laughs> usually, you notice it while they're growing, you know, and doing with it, you know life skills. So um, life skills like opening a refrigerator door. Um, getting dressed, eating, you will notice that they're using one hand more than another and maybe one hand uh, for more fine, finer detailed things that they need to do versus the other hand that might be good for just pushing things away. But this other, the one hand is used when they want to pinch up, pinch something like a clothespin or do it well. And so you're going to start noticing it. And if you don't, then that's a problem. But children generally will, by about four, three, four, they're going to have chosen a hand that they like to work with. Now, what you do have to be careful with when you do start having them sit down and do coloring or writing or tracing um, <laughs> that they switch hands. We find children will switch hands when their hand gets tired, their dominant hand. And what we mm-hmm. really want to do is not let them switch hands. 
we want them to fight through it just a little. And what it means is their hands cramping, that they're doing enough work that their muscles are starting to, um, you know, seize just a little. And that's part of the process of increasing hand strength. So then you teach them to stretch their fingers and to stretch their hand by putting their fingers on the um, edge of the table and, and allowing their wrist to fall underneath the level of the table so that they are able to stretch their fingers in their hands. I also like to encourage children to change colors and change implements because that gives them a natural break because when they first start coloring or they grip so hard, um, <laughs> they don't need to, it's not how hard you hold it. Um, there's that dexterity and movement in your wrist and fingers that helps. But um, anyway, grip is important. It's called a tripod grip where you're using your thumb and your first finger to hold the uh, crayon or pencil. And then you're resting it on your middle finger underneath so you can see where that forms like a little tripod. And if the child doesn't naturally hold and they all do it, and if you look at the way you hold a pencil, you probably don't hold it properly either. All of us have like these little versions of a tripod, and um, but I'm the, re, the the tripod has been found to be the most efficient um, grip to hold a pencil or a crayon, and efficient meaning how fast you can do it, and then also how accurately you can perform the task you're trying to perform. That's really cool. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. that they have actually researched it. Yeah, and I've attended quite a few workshops <laughs> because, of course, you know, like, everybody has an opinion. And um, But from my physical therapy and from just, you know, t- uh, education and my human development, it's, I know it's true. I also know that um, repetition right or wrong creates a habit and really all a habit is is a secure neurological um fitting and so what happens is is when you do something repetitively it 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 it's the easiest thing to do whether it's right or wrong whether it's a habit that helps you or hurts you so if you can in the beginning help them to make the tripod grip successfully that will benefit the child (laughs) for a lifetime and there's no point because otherwise it's a handicap if they hold their pencil wrong their whole life it slows them down and it makes them less accurate or maybe they have to work a little harder to actually form the letters right and so that's important so you know it, it doesn't take that much time you can pretty much see um, what the kids are doing. What do you think mm-hmm. about those those little grips? Because they have the triangular ones you can put on pencils later on. Right. Now, I, 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 um, it's a partnership. So um, when I, I really, I really, really value the emotional uh, health and of the child that I'm working with. And so what I really, really want is there to be a partnership. And so when I have a student, or my own child even, but a student who holds their pencil or crayon um, in more like a like a uh, a grip, like a, a closed fist, 
so I can assist. Mm-hmm. I, I, tr- I explain everything I've just explained to you, to the child, that, um, you know, that, yes, you can get the work done, but when you want to try to do the more detailed work, it's going to be way harder with a fist. So right. if, if it, with their permission, and if they're willing to invest, I'm willing to be there with them. Um, right now, I, there's a grip that instead of the triangle, which is useful, the triangle is a useful one, there's another one where they actually slide their little fingers into almost like little holsters. And, um, and, and it stays on the pencil. And they use that. And I, I've seen real improvement with that. I, it's, um, it's a chore. And that's the problem is that once you allow them to develop a bad habit, holding a pencil or crayon or whatever wrong, it's super hard to break it. So mm-hmm. I would much rather, being a four-year-old teacher, have the three-year-old teachers not have them color a bit <laughs> so that when they walk into my room, I don't have any bad habits. I'm only creating good habits. But um, so, and again, it's not the end of the world. And if your child's not going to be on board with you and it's going to cause you to fight with them, that's not what you want at all. You have okay. to convince them that it's in their best interest and it's worth a try. And that's all you can do. But again, it's way more important to have a child feel confident and competent and capable than it is to win this battle about the grip. Because eventually, of course, they'll either fix it on their own or they'll compensate. And I have a grown child who's, no matter how many years the teacher and I tried to convince her to change her grip, I had let it go on too long before we tried to change it. So her kindergarten teacher, first, second, probably third grade teacher, all to their, bless their heart, tried to get her to change for the first half of the year. And finally, one of the teachers, fourth grade, one of them just goes, Boy, she writes funny, but I'm not doing a thing about it. And I went, oh, bless you. So (laughs) it was what it was. She was going to have to, she was the one who was going to have to deal with the consequences. She knew that. We had that conversation. And it was her choice. So, again, I don't fight with a student about it. I encourage it. I talk about it. But, again, I'm not, participation is super important to me right or wrong. Right. And the thing is, you know, your daughter's a successful adult. She's a nurse, an ER nurse. Mm-hmm. And, yes. you know, she. And she's I have happy. to tell you, I, I think that fist grip is why she is an A-10 champion in the hammer throw. <laughs> <laughs> because you know how there you hang go, on to that hammer? You hang on to that right. hammer in a, in a fist. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, whatever, it worked for her. <laughs> Can you tell that the Gerwitz family is a sports family? Unfortunately, yeah. I wasn't, but everybody else was. So oh, we've I've dragged gone you along. along with, I yes, know you, you have. have. <laughs> Bless your oh, heart. Gosh. I know, right? Sports are good. Yay. But are. it does help with a lot of their motor control. So that's all, all wonder, mm-hmm. wonderful. And then hand dominance, Jody, you know, is important as well. Again, that's one of those things that I, I think is more trial and error. And um, I, I've had children both ways that come to me 
right-handed that I personally feel like maybe they have a left-handed tendency. But again, once the patterns are set, like whether the parent, like I did with my child, I made her right-handed because I thought I had made her left-handed. So then I unmade her left-handed and made her right-handed. So however you get your child or wherever they're at, you just take them where they are and you encourage them. And you're going to, if you really pay attention, you can watch their whole body. And if their whole body is moving, sometimes that means they're really struggling to use that hand. Try the other hand. But again, mm -hmm. you know, like, it's real trial and error. And eventually they'll pick a hand to stick with it and, you know, and encourage that strength to develop in their dominant hand, whichever one they choose. Therefore, you're just going to develop the strength in that hand. Very good. And now we get to coloring. So, you know, Yay. finally the child has their, their crayons uh -huh. and you're going to address that with what you, you prefer. Um, and then share with us what they should be doing with their coloring. Right. So I always start with large crayons and large spaces. And I encourage them to use, uh, they're really using their whole arm. So, um, Kind of like, I guess people would describe it as more of a scribbling, large strokes. Also, may I say right here that I never really utilized it enough, but a lot of my research and a lot of my workshops have said, so here's the point, um, to use an easel. If you have a vertical surface, even a wall, if you tape the paper to a wall, that mm. is going to provide the most kind of workout for their hands and it also is a trick to get a child who likes to use a fist grip to use a tripod grip because it's super hard to use a fist grip up against a wall much easier to get it out in front of you in some kind of a tripod or even a quad pod kind of grip um, and they make those crayons that'll actually fit in the palm of your hand and then your fingers just grip around them anyhow but a vertical That's surface cool. is one of those ways to um, encourage both um, strength and a proper grip. But at any rate, so I like a large space. I like to, you know, this is all about success. So I might give them, you know, a, a five by five square. And they're going to color in the square. We're going to talk about the shape. We're going to talk about the edges, the straight lines and give them some vocabulary, but you know, like a square. And then they're gonna do a circle and a triangle and they're just gonna color the insides of it. And they're gonna notice the lines. So when they bump up against the lines, you're gonna slow down right there. But again, in the beginning, you're just trying to get participation. So big crayons, big spaces. And then as they increase in their strength and their length of time, then you can add difficulty. So that's when you go to, large crayons, a little bit smaller spaces requiring a little bit smaller strokes. And um, I like to have them change colors in, while they're coloring because it gives them an automatic break. Because again, mm -hmm. if you let them hang on to it too long, they get really, they, they hold the crayon or pencil really tightly. And you don't want them to do that because that promotes um, muscle cramping. So I have them change colors. So I usually tell them they have to use three colors. So use three colors, change your colors, and that gives them a little bit of a break. And if they complain about their hand being tired, I have them stretch, you know, on the edge of the table like we talked about.
And then um, eventually I'll move to the smaller crayons and then go back to kind of a medium-sized space so that they can feel successful again because now it's a smaller, harder, narrower gripping space for them. And then you can go to the small crayon and small spaces and just, again, if you color with them, you talk about your strategies, like, geez, when I bump up against the edge here, I'm going to slow my stroke down. And I might even do little circles or I might do little short strokes. Anything that you say that um, you're imparting your wisdom about how you would color a space and talk about how each of these spaces is a detail of the whole picture. You know, if it's a flower and there are petals, the petals are generally a color or a couple of colors, and then the inside is a different color. I mean, it's important, you know, that, that gives them something to think about. You could even have a picture of a real flower where they're able to see, not that everything they color or do has to be accurate, but it is important for them to see that the whole is, is like the pieces make a whole. That's an important thing yeah. that they'll need later on. And I think that's good. I like how you say, you know, you have to use three colors because you're getting to what you need to do without, um, you know, telling them, oh, you need to change because your hand's getting, you know, so, like, yeah, I don't like bossing too much information. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we all know how the little ones are. All right. And then tracing, um, which kids, you know, I've, I've had mixed results with this, Jody, so I'm really interested mm-hmm. to hear what you have to say. Yeah, I like tracing. I think um, I like to use it as my kind of a lead into uh, writing because it's something that's easy to have them do from left to right, which is something Mm -hmm. they'll need a skill that they use when they learn to read. So um, moving from left to right physically or with your, you know, what you're tracing is a good idea. And it's also one of the first places that I start talking to them about top and bottom. And then um, if they're tracing, a lot of times they're just tracing uh, sort of beginning um, letter strokes. So they trace vertical lines and horizontal lines. They might trace a wavy line. They might trace um, a circle and then a semicircle. So all of these line tracing, and I might have them trace and then have them write on their own so they're writing one like they might trace it and then write it trace it and then write it and so I use a lot of the tracing as a precursor to my um, letter formation and I talk to them and give them the vocabulary of the different kinds of lines and I, I mean they end up telling me something is a vertical line or a horizontal line or a left diagonal or a right diagonal so all of those words, those vocabulary words, they're just um, tools so that we're all talking about the same strokes. And um, I use those when we get ready to write our letters. Great. That works. That works and um, is effective for that. And that also, you know, we're trying to show them how to do it properly. And so that Mm -hmm. is, you know, one way to do it. I think that's great. And then for letter printing and writing, you have a particular way that you want I that do. to go. I do. Um, I, and it's based really on these uh, writing strokes. So once I have them where we're all talking about the same kind of line, 
if we're talking about uh, vertical and horizontal lines, for instance. Um, based on their vertical and horizontal lines, they're able to write the H, the T, the I, the E, the F, and the L, just by putting those lines together. So what I'll do is I may have a vertical line and a horizontal line for them to trace, and then I just put the letters there. And then they trace the letter, and they're like, oh, my goodness, this letter E is a, you know, a vertical line with three little horizontal lines. And I'm like, that's so good. And um, <laughs> so they just go through, and we use these as a way for them to learn their letters, but also to learn to write their letters. And um, again, all my lines go down. So if it's a vertical line, it starts at the top, and it goes down. And you know there's that paper that has clouds and flowers on it. So the clouds are the top line, the flowers the bottom line, and it wants them to, to see it, to see that you're starting up high in the sky, drawing down to the ground. So you, you start high and go down low. So I have all my vertical lines going from top to bottom, and then we work on the page from top to bottom physically, the whole page. So that, that way, they, you know, it's part of the reading, left to right, top to bottom. And we just follow that all the way through. And then we work on diagonal lines. And they use their diagonal lines for their um, A's and um, M and Y, V, K, mm -hmm. uh, W and X, so and Z. So all of those, you know, like they can start to see where you don't have to look at the whole letter. You look at the Z as as a horizontal line that leads to a diagonal line that leads to another horizontal line. And it makes it so much easier when you take it apart and give it to them in little pieces. When you just look at the Z, it looks hard. They write it sideways, they write it backwards, they write it, you know? So when you mm -hmm. break it into small pieces, their success level just skyrockets so that they don't have to figure it out if you lay it out like it's a puzzle, a, a horizontal line, a diagonal line, and then another um, horizontal line, then they can write the Z. They just practice each of those strokes, one right after the other. And now I'm asking them to put it all together. And it makes sense. They've just practiced it. Now they can do it. So I do try to make break the letters up into little pieces so that they can... Um, learn to do them and then we do circles and then we do semicircles and that includes the rest of the letters G, S, C, O, and Q and all of the P, V, and R's that start with a vertical line and then have mm -hmm. a semicircle. So anyway, I, I try to break the letters up so that they're a little more manageable. They don't seem like, like the first thing they'll say is that's a hard one. And then we just take it apart, and they're like, oh, I guess not. It's, you know, <laughs> if you just break it down to its pieces. That makes sense to them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, 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 we don't think of that, Jody. obviously. You know, we just think that, uh, you know, they should get, just get it. And when they don't, then this explains why. You know, right. and I've never even heard of the paper with the clouds and the flowers, but it took oh. me a second to figure out, oh, clouds are in the sky, flowers are on the ground. So, uh -huh. you know, so parents, if you haven't heard of it, draw a little cloud and a flower and then you're good to go. So what, anything else you want to say about this, you know? 
Again, encouragement, you said it at the beginning, maybe I'm not sure this segment, but the last segment, that really it's all about um, them feeling successful and feeling Mm -hmm. encouraged. And um, that's really, because you know what, they can never learn to write or color if they're not, if they're not actively participating. So, you know what, all of this ideal place and how and whatever, those are ideal and they really are, um, they're really so, so smart and so well thought out about how to help a child be successful, but they can't be successful if they're not even on the field playing with us. So honestly, if they're, if you can get them to thread beads or play Play-Doh or any of that kind of do Legos, whatever it is, you've got to kind of find a, um, something that makes them want to participate. So you have, if, if it's, they love dinosaurs or they love space, then have them color space things or, or dinosaurs or make the um, scenery for a dinorama. You know, you got to kind of remember their children and make it fun and purposeful. I find a lot of students will do almost anything if they can see a reason that they want to invest. It empowers them to make these choices to participate. And that's the most important thing that they, I, I know you can't always make them want to do it, but you know what? If you ask them, what if we, or I wonder how, or any of those open-ended kind of things that will draw them in. Maybe they can help you create the scenery. They can help, you know what I mean? They can somehow get engaged. And um, honestly, once they have that little first toe in, in being a participant, then, you know, they're going to be so much more enthusiastic about uh, trying to navigate through the process so that it makes sense. Everybody wants to write their name. Right. And the the thing is, I'm listening to you and parents are probably going, why can't she just come come over and teach my kids? So, you know, if she would just get her curriculum done that I've been (laughs) nagging her about for forever, which she knew, you know, since you told everybody um, that I don't like to iron, which I don't. Uh, so that's kind of no secret. <laughs> good thing my husband's in construction and doesn't need iron shirts. No, we, he doesn't we need, need good iron that way. shirts. No. Yes, ma'am. But uh, <laughs> so, um, you know, it, it sounds overwhelming. But again, the show notes are on the website and you can take one day at a time and don't think you have to solve every single, you know, issue oh. at this point, mm-hmm. you know. But um, thanks so much, Jody, for coming on and sharing and, and helping us to kind of, uh, you know, get some, a good handle on some of the things they need to do, some, you know, strength uh, issues that they could possibly have and how we can overcome. And the reason I think you're so passionate about this is because you have real life examples in your family and realize the benefits of doing it this way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, don't we wish we had this information when we were younger? Yes, absolutely. If I, yes, <laughs> yeah, it would, have been, it would have benefited my own, own children. And really it's just the encouragement and wanting to do the best I can for whichever student is sitting in front of me today. 
and uh, just hoping that I continue to learn more and do better every time I have that opportunity. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, thanks again for coming on today. Sure. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Okay, everybody, you can get the show notes for this episode at VintageHomeschoolMoms.com. Look for episode 339, Handwriting Basics, at um, which I already told you, Vintage Homeschool Moms. And also thanks to our sponsor, and that is Time for Learning. And you can find more information at time, the number four, learning.com. Thanks, everybody, and talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Vintage Homeschool Mom Show. Visit Felice at MediaAngels.com and the VintageHomeschoolMoms.com. Vintage Homeschool Moms is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network.